fun facts about Thanksgiving. The Pilgrims first celebrated Thanksgiving in 1621 with a feast that lasted three days. That meal included wild goose, wild turkey, deer, flint corn, fish, shellfish, and eels. Americans consume 51,150,000 turkeys on Thanksgiving. However, 79% of people surveyed said that leftovers are actually more important than eating the regular Thanksgiving meal. Do you ever feel more tired on Thanksgiving than other days? Turkeys contain an amino acid called tryptophan, which we attribute to the drowsiness. But the levels of tryptophan found in a turkey are actually about the same as in other meats and isn't enough to make you sleepy. Turkey day drowsiness is more likely caused by the large intake of carbohydrates and subsequent release of melatonin. Let's talk about money. Americans spend an average of $56.18 on Thanksgiving dinner. That's a total of $2.4 billion on one dinner, one time a year. And then there's always Black Friday, which technically starts on Thursday and goes through Sunday. Then there's Cyber Monday. I'm just kind of confused. 247 million shoppers spend an average of $423. That's $59.1 billion. But what about you? What are you thankful for? Family? Food? Football? Have you spent time this week to thank God for just some of what he's given you? Life, love, liberty? And if for some reason you didn't have what you have today, could you still be thankful? Be thankful. Well, happy Thanksgiving. I love this time of year. I love it, I love it, I love it. I'm a little bit like Clark Griswold. I love turkey. I love lights. I love it all. And so let me set the scene for you, all right? All of us have been there. There hasn't been probably one person who hasn't been in a situation similar to this, whether you're a grandparent, parent, uncle, aunt, older brother, friend, whatever it is, you've been in this situation. You're at the mall, and you're waiting for that guy in the beard, and you all just love lines. You all love waiting in lines. You all just, but you're, you're, you're the one that you're with, whoever it is, the offspring, whatever, you, they just, they have to tell Santa about the Red Rider BB gun. And so you're doing it for them. And the elves, being the smart people that they are, know that you love lines. And so they start handing out candy canes to all the little kids and the adults who beg for one. And they start handing out those candy canes and they come to you and your little grandchild or kid or little brother or sister or niece or nephew or whoever it is. And the candy cane gets exchanged and that little one that you so knew, know and adore, they immediately tear into it and they start eating that candy cane. And you, being the responsible adult that you are, you pat them on the head and you have a question for them. Does anybody know this question? What do you say? Exactly. What do you say? And at that moment, I bet you most of the kids, even if they're really, really, really little, know the answer. They're like, thank you. Thank you for this 
extremely great piece of sugar. Because you know as an adult that when something is given, there's a circle. And in order to complete that circle, you have to say thank you in return. And that leads us to what I want to talk about today. This idea of ingratitude. You thought I was going somewhere else, didn't you? Thought I was kind of going with gratitude, but I'm, I'm going with ingratitude. Because here's the very thing in a, in a relationship that will actually sting more than anything else. Feeling underappreciated. And the reason for it is this, that when you do something, you expect something in return. You expect that circle that you started to be complete. In fact, it goes like this. The, the thanker is always aware, is rarely aware, sorry. The thanker is rarely aware that the circle is incomplete. Right? That just like that little kid that sit there, they, they just it's, it's spaced them. And that's why you had to tap him on the head and say, what do you say? But the thankee is always aware. They understand because, yes, you have gotten the act, and they understand that the circle's not complete. Something's missing. They're going, what's going on? How come this, hello, am I even here? Do I even exist? The circle hasn't been completed. In fact, it's one of those things that in relationships, no matter the relationship, marriages, parenting, co-workers, friends, acquaintances, it'll pounce on you like a puma. I did. I said puma. And we don't, none of us know how a puma pounces, but puma pounces are powerful. Anyway, I, I, I get distracted. But this is what's going on is that, you, have you ever heard this? Maybe you've heard this. Maybe you've heard this. I, I just... I just don't think you care. Or maybe this, I, I just feel unappreciated. How many of you have been a, accused of being unappreciative? Or wait, wait, let me rephrase that question. How many of you have been 13 before? <laughs> yeah, all of us. And so you've probably been accused of being unappreciative. Don't worry, teenagers, I got your back later on in the message, all right? So when someone says to you, I think you're just ungrateful, but immediately this is what happens in our, in our hearts and in our heads. We go, no, wait a second, wait a second. I remember, I am so grateful for you. Because we have all these feelings that stir up when, when your wife brings you a plate of leftover turkey. That happened to me yesterday. And it was glorious. And she brought it to me and I was just like, that's the best part. I'm one of those 79% who love the leftovers. And, and, but at that particular point, I was like, I had all these feelings in my heart. I said, man, my wife is amazing. Oh, so cool. Oh. But I didn't express it, which is vital. Because gratitude and ingratitude drive the health of all relationships. And you're going, boy, that's a pretty big statement. That's huge. I don't even get what that necessarily means. But that is to determine how much of you you are going to give to somebody else, how much you are going to allow them to come into your life. 
It is a really big deal. And today we're going to look at the Gospel of Luke. And what you may not understand about the Gospel of Luke, it's in the New Testament. And this is, I love this Gospel. Because right at the beginning, Luke says, and Luke, you know, he was an an amazing man. And he says, uh, I hear in all these stories of Jesus. Amazing stories. Over the top, crazy, healing things. and, And multiplying food and all this kind of stuff. He says, I'm going to be the systematic approach and I'm going to put these in chronological order. So we understand when these happen and how they kind of all fit together. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 17 and we're going to be in verse 11. And this is a powerful section of of scripture and it's going to be what we're talking about today. So now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now, you may not understand this whole picture just yet, but let me give you a, a map. All the teenagers in the room says, oh, I still got a couple days left of school. This is crazy. But I'm giving you a map, all right? So here's Samaria. You can see right here, it's, it's bordered on like the Jordan River is right there. You can see Galilee up here, Jesus from Nazareth. He's right there. That's where he's from. And then down here is Judea. Now, what you need to know about this is he's on the border right here in between Samaria and Galilee, and he's on his way to Jerusalem way down here at the bottom. Now, what's amazing about this is that um, they had to go through Samaria. You notice that. You see that. You get that. But Samaria was considered, they didn't like each other. The Jews and the Samaritans, the Jews thought the Samaritans were kind of the knockoff religion, right? They they thought, you know what, this this is not as cool as we are. Let me put it in present day terms, all right, so that you understand this, because I know this may not, so we're going to make it real. All right, it's kind of like Bronco fans and Vikings fans. <laughs> Vikings fans are the Midwest knockoff of the champs. Does that make sense? You're all like, oh, I totally get it. I'm sorry, you Vikings fans. I know, especially after another loss on Thanksgiving, but it's the way it goes. <laughs> all right. So this is, this is a really big deal. So he's traveling from the north to the south, and so that you got it set up. Now let's go to this, this next verse here. Luke 17, 12, 13, as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. So you can see what's happening right here. Now, we've alluded to it already today, but in this time that if you were sick, you had to live outside of the city. You had to live in in colonies. You had to live in in leper colonies. And if you know anything about leprosy, leprosy actually, uh, it it affects your skin. It affects your body. You'll have fingers fall off. You'll have toes fall off. Even you can get to extreme measures, lose hands and and legs. And you may not know this, but leprosy has been cured. Did you know that in the U.S., in the past year, there's been 200,000 cases of leprosy that have been cured? In fact, in the past 20 years, 16 million cases have been cured of leprosy. But you can understand at that time, it was, it, was, it was handed from person to person. It was very, very catchy. They thought, it's really not that catchy, but they thought that you could like brush up against somebody and you would catch the disease. So they lived outside of the city. They were banned from their families. They were banned from their jobs. It was a big deal. In fact, if you look at Levitical law, And Leviticus is the third book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. It'll go through and it'll have all these laws. And it talks about leprosy, and it talks about how if you had leprosy, when you walked anywhere outside of the city, and you walked uh, along with somebody who actually was clean, they actually had to yell at you and say, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine that? 
Wouldn't that be cool if Vikings fans came into the church and we just pointed and say, unclean, unclean. Sorry, Vikings, it's over. I'm done with it. All right. I love Vikings fans. But think of that. It was like a prison without any walls. Your hands were tied with, without being able to do anything in your life. And it would be scary. You were taken away from everything that you knew. So that's where we are on this. They yelled out to the, in this verse. They said, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So what does Jesus do? Let's look at the next verse. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And they went. They were cleansed. Now, what usually happens in Scripture, we, we study this out, is that Jesus will go over and lay hands on them but, and, and heal them. But in this instance, he's like, hey, yo! Go ahead and go. Don't come talk to me, but go. Right? And he, he talks, he says, go, and in your journey, you will be cleansed. You will be healed. Now, you may not understand this fully because you may not know, but what they did to get clean, and this is what you had to like get a, I don't know if it was a slip of paper or a check mark on your hand or what it was, but when you had a sickness and you got either miraculously healed or you somehow got better from medicine or whatever it was, you had to get, go to the priest. Now, I don't know how pastors and priests got roped into this, right? Because I have no medical ability whatsoever. My kids come to me and I say, yeah, go talk to your mom. I don't know. I, I got nothing right? And so I don't know how pastors got roped into this. I don't know if it was an honesty thing that they felt that pastors would be honest, like, yeah, you're not clean. Sorry. Out of the city. But they had to go get this check mark or this slip of paper from the priest. Now, that priest was probably a three or four day walk, probably either in Jerusalem or Nazareth. We don't necessarily know, but it was probably a journey. It's probably a long walk. And you remember, they have this, they, Jesus didn't lay hands on them and heal them right away. This was going to take some time. They had to invest in this. Have you ever been dealt with that in a, in a situation where Jesus calls you to do something and you may be chicken out? I've been there many times. And so you can see the faith of these 10 men that they're going to go to Jerusalem or wherever it is, three or four days walk, and they're going to invest in this because they could come to the edge of the city, and if they are not healed yet, they wouldn't be let in to see the priest. And the journey was a waste. So that's where we are right currently in this position. So Luke 17, 15. One of them, when he saw he was healed, because it said in the verse before that they were healed, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. Now that's pretty important. Stopped exactly what he was doing. He didn't go on and get that little piece of paper. He didn't continue to move forward. He said, you know what? From this point on, I need to go thank the one who got me there. That's pretty powerful. Let me give you an example of this, all right? My, um, my grandma is 93 years old. And her name's, her name's Bert, Bertha. Great, amazing grandma name, right? Um, love my grandma. And she lived in Illinois for over 40 years with my grandpa, Grandpa Bob, and they, um, they lived there. They, that, I'm a St. Louis Cardinal fan because of them. My grandpa took me to my first game. Amazing people. But let me tell you a little bit about their history. That They used to invite me on walks. They come out to the Black Hills and they say to a little eight-year-old boy, they say, you want to go for a walk? What eight-year-old boy wants to go for a walk? 
And they would convince me after, you know, amount of time. says, go, you need to go for a walk. I'm like, okay. And you know how it goes. I'm a little eight-year-old boy walking through Chapel Valley here in South Dakota. And, and I'm, you know, dragging my feet. And all of a sudden, I come up along something. I'm like, hey, quarter. Yeah. And I go along, and I'm going, this is, man, I got another quarter. And I put it in my pocket. And after the walk, I would make bank. I'd be making money, and it would be an adventure. And on the next day, you know what happened? On this same trip, my grandparents coming to visit us. Hey, Grandpa, you want to go for a walk? Because he, he knew where to go. He knew where the money was. Well, I figured it out years later that he was dropping quarters. <laughs> and he was saying, you know, and I'm going, this is the best thing. But what it taught me was that anything can be an adventure. Anything, even as simple as a walk through a neighborhood, can be fun. And I hold on to that adventure today. But you go even deeper. I came out of college debt-free because of the generosity of my parents. But also I know that my grandpa and grandma helped foot the bill many times. And so I got to sit down. My grandma actually moved here three months after I did and got to come home, and, and she moved here into an assisted living uh, place here in uh, Rapid City, and my mom lives here in town, and so I was sitting down with her a week ago. She's coming to the end of her life, and I said, Grandma, tell me about your life. What are you thankful for as we come upon this, thanks, you know, this Thanksgiving season and Christmas season? What are you thankful for? And she went through the depression. She goes, I was thankful that my husband was a hard worker, my grandpa who died in 2012, and she goes, you know what, though? One of the greatest things is the faithfulness of God. And here's a 93-year-old woman, struggles to get up, sit down, go through her day-to-day -day stuff, still pouring into her grandson, because she's one of the people that got me to where I am today. So if my grandma's watching, I don't know, I love you dearly. So you need to think of this, because I bet you you're smart enough to think. In fact, right now, if you took out that pen right there in front of you and you started writing, I bet you there would be name after name after name after name of people who got you where you are today. And it doesn't matter how much work you've put into it. It doesn't matter how far you've gone in your own life and how hard you worked. But along the way, I know there were people who invested in you. I guarantee it. Pastors, coaches, teachers, parents, grandparents, friends, bosses, donut salesmen. <laughs> who all invested in your life. I don't know if we call them donut salesmen. I don't think we really do, but you know what I mean, right? So let's, let's move on in this verse, Luke 17, 16. Says, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Remember, that's what we were talking about with the Vikings thing, that he was a Samaritan. That's a key point that they brought that out again. But he threw himself at Jesus' feet. He stopped what he was doing. Before he ever got that piece of paper or whatever it was, he said, you know what? This is amazing. Before I go see my wife, before I go see my kids, before I go back to my job, I have to stop what I'm doing and thank the one who made this possible. That is stunning to me. Jesus asks in the next verse, Luke 17, 17, Jesus says, wait, now this is pretty cool because do you feel the sarcasm that's in this? 
all right? We're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Can you see Jesus going, now, wait a second, didn't I have enough power to heal all of you? Hmm. Because, you know, and it's hard to read sarcasm, but I bet you Jesus had the gift of sarcasm. He was perfect, right? So I bet you this is what it kind of felt like. Jesus was like, you know what? Where are all of the other nine? Did they just think it was so important to just move on and to keep going? And so what he's saying here is that there's this circle, and this half of it is unfinished. It's not done yet. As adults, we get this. We understand this. We grasp this. Because there's tons of people who have had influence, who have poured into us, maybe even blood, sweat, and tears to get us where we are today. We know something is unfinished. Now, it's where the teenage thing comes in a little bit. We think that these teenagers are ungrateful and they have this idea of entitlement, which I think is wrong. Because here's what the, the fact about teenagers, and I'm sure you know this being, um, you know, as educated as we all are, is that their, their frontal decision-making up front, it's called the frontal lobe, isn't even fully developed yet. The synapses between the rest of the brain and the frontal lobe don't fully develop till you're 26. And I, this is what I think with teenagers, that they have gratefulness in the heart because I talk to them all the time and I hear it from them, but a lot of times they have a hard time getting that head and heart feelings out into their words. And we need to mo model it for them. We need to be that for them, that example for them so that they can grasp that and understand how important it is. But a lot of times, parents aren't willing to be grateful to their teenagers because teenagers aren't grateful to their parents. And you see how that just goes in a circle. So this sets us up where we are now, Luke 17, 18 and 19. Jesus continues, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, I know what you're thinking because I, I thought it when I read it too that I guarantee you that these, these nine guys, you're like, what a bunch of jerks. Why wouldn't they come back? This is such a big deal. They got their entire life back, the entire thing. And yet they didn't have enough time to take three, four, five days to come back and say, oh, that was amazing. Thank you so much. That's all they had to do. It didn't have to be anything longer. And we're thinking in our heads, well, you ungrateful nine guys. You couldn't come back. You couldn't, merci, you couldn't, thank you, you grazie. That's all I know. <laughs> you couldn't do it. But here's what I bet you was true. That if you went and interviewed those nine guys, if you followed them, even months after this happened, I bet you they were still singing the praises of Jesus. Do you think that they were silent and went, what, what, what happened? I, I forget. No, I bet you they were going telling everybody, says, you know what, you, you know what Jesus did? He healed me of leprosy. I got my life back. I got to go back to my wife. I got to go back to my kids. I got to do all this stuff. It's amazing. Look at my fingers. I bet you that's what they were saying. But there's a difference because unexpressed gratitude 
communicates ingratitude. You may have it in your heart, but to the person that you owe a thank you to, to them it's experienced as ingratitude. Did you get that? Because this is powerful. Unexpressed gratitude, I'm going to even take it a step deeper. Unexpressed gratitude is actually experienced as rejection. Now, you probably need to put in there over time as rejection. But it didn't look good on the screen, so that's what we started with. Because here's what you have to understand. That once this happens, and if it becomes a habit, eventually it becomes rejection. Ingratitude becomes rejection. And here's the thing about every single one of us, no matter your age, no matter your gender, no matter what you do for a living, all of us gravitate to acceptance. All of us. None of us go, today, hope I get rejected. Woo! None of us do that. We all gravitate toward acceptance. That's why we can go to our teenage kids and go, well, here's the top 50 reasons why you shouldn't be hanging out with the friends that you're hanging out with. And they can be amazing, awesome 50 reasons. But you know why they hang out with those people? Acceptance. You know why they don't hang out with somebody else? Rejection. And we're no different as adults. So unexpressed gratitude is actually experienced as rejection. Ingratitude is experienced as rejection. Do you see how this can affect marriages? Do you see how this can affect parenting? Do you see how this can affect your everyday coworkers? That if you don't appreciate what you do, eventually it'll be experienced, that ingratitude will be experienced as rejection. And nobody wants that. Nobody. It even goes a step deeper than that. Unexpressed gratitude may indicate an inflated view of self. You can be mad at me for that one. All right? Don't take that out on anybody else. But if you have a hard time saying thank you to people, if you have a hard time being humble and saying, you know what? That meant a lot to me. Then you really need to evaluate where you are. You need to really evaluate what happened 10, 20, 30, however many years ago. Maybe it was stems from the way you were raised and you never felt gratitude from the family you were raised in. Maybe one time you took your heart out and put it on a platter to somebody and they went, <laughs> and stepped on it. I don't know. But you need to figure that out because you see how ingratitude, you can just be ingratituded right out of a home. You can be ingratitude right out of a relationship. That if you allow this to continue to happen, it'll have a serious effect on who you are and the relationships that you love. Every single one of us, I know, have debts that we haven't paid in this idea of gratitude and ingratitude. But yet it doesn't carry like a banknote. You don't see it as you log into your checking account. But we should. And we shouldn't let those accounts stay open even if they were 40 years ago, we should go to those people and give thanks. Here's what happens, and especially you men hear this. I had to have this message started and, and introduced in September to the creative team so we could do all the creative elements for this. And 
I got the great idea as a man, and I said, you know what, I'm going to start working on this now so that when I give the message, my wife won't see a noticeable change. She'd be like, he's always been doing this. This guy's awesome. Because I know the way guys think. Because here's what you'll do. You'll go and you'll pull out your phone and you'll set a reminder maybe a month from now or two weeks from now and you'll go, start being grateful to your wife or start being grateful to your kids. Because what will happen is if you do it today and you go home and, and you say, Connie, man, I just appreciate you. And she'll go, you're just doing that because Pastor Jake said so. Well, first of all, men, it's pride that keeps you from doing it right away. And women, you cannot do that. So throw your egos out the door and be appreciative of each other. Because the fact of the matter is, it's not enough to feel it. You have to express it. You have to show the people that have gone before you and paved the way for you to be where you are today, how grateful for you are for their work. And you know what will happen? You'll be happy. You'll start to appreciate the small things, which a lot of times we forget. Your relationships will be stronger. If you did that to your boss, just go up to your boss and say, I'm thankful I have a job. Thanks so much for employing me. Your boss is going to go, who are you? But they're going to remember. So it's simple, short and sweet, but remember, it's not enough to feel it. You have to express it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here together. And first and foremost, foremost, Lord, we thank you for you. We are grateful that in spite of us, you still love us. We are grateful that you use us. We are grateful that you sent your son to die for us. And we are grateful that you have put people in our lives who invested in us who loved us, who pushed us, who corrected us, who were our biggest fans and biggest cheerleaders. And so, Lord, right now, during this season, we are just grateful for the many blessings that you have put upon us. And we ask that we show that with our words, a handwritten note, an email, whatever it is, phone call. And ultimately, Lord, we thank you for you. We love you dearly. In Jesus' name, amen.